0: is Joe. I got to meet some folks today. So glad you're here. If you haven't downloaded our app, go ahead and do that. It's anywhere you get an app at, Google, uh, iPhone for uh, iTunes there. You can get it. It's free. All of our sermons are there. My notes are there for today. And then also I want to let you know I'm releasing a new book every month, a 30-day series to help you grow in your walk with Christ. Uh, starting off with January, I released a new book called The God Kind of Life, 30 Days to uh, Walk with Jesus. Then this uh, February, I just released the, the Promised Life, and I know these books are going to be so amazing, so I'm going to ask that Robin would hand these to the two moms right there that I just met at the beginning of the Oh, you have a broken toe of all the people. Go hand them out to these two moms. Two moms, would you just raise your hand? I met you two moms. You know who you are. There you go. Let's give it up for some moms in the house. want to give you guys those. Also, everybody getting baptized today gets a choice of one of those books, so we're so glad that you're here. We're also going to be doing live the baptism, so right now we're live on Facebook. If you haven't liked us on Facebook, would you like us right now and then tell your friends to watch? Go look us up on Facebook right now and tell them to watch. We're live, and then the baptisms will be live as well. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Ephesians, if you have it. We love the Bible around here. I'm going to continue on with our sermon series. Those of you who are visiting as a guest today, I think you will enjoy it. Also, we have uh, translating headsets. So if you uh, uh, habla espanol and ingles, un poquito, not so much, you try, we got the headset for you. So just raise your hand right now as my wife is looking around. We'll get more headsets. And uh, if you see somebody with a headset, they're not jamming to their favorite music right now. They're receiving the message in espanol. Everybody say, gracias. Hermana Rosa. Armando Rosa, we love you. God bless you. I love you. Okay. Ephesians chapter 1, to verse 1. You just gotta be nice to the gringo pastor. I try. I try so hard. But I love my Latino gente. And you guys love me? Un pequito or muy grande. Muy grande. Amen. Amen. Okay, here we go. To the saints. Everybody say to the saints. Thank you. We are going through the book of Ephesians. It's Paul's letter to the people living in the city of Ephesus. We're going through it verse by verse. It's a series that we've entitled, In Him, because in that book of the Bible, In Him is mentioned over 20 times, and I want to take the next year, literally 2017, to walk you through this wonderful book. We are only in verse 1 of chapter 1 and already on message number 3. We have five messages coming out of just the first verse. There are so many that you need to hear from this. I've been so blessed, and so this whole year, read the book of Ephesians, start Chapter by chapter, read through it. If you're like me and you like to exercise, put on the audio Bible. I listen to the audio book of Ephesians within about 25, 30 minutes. I'll just put it on repeat, keep going through it, and it blesses me every time because it gives me new nuggies. Now, today, what we're going to talk about is to the saints. Say it again with me to the saints. Thank you. We're going to learn about who Paul believed the church was, who the Christians were in this city. Look at it there in the NIV, the version that we've been reading out of, more of a contemporary version. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's what? Holy people. Everybody say holy people. Thank you. To God's who? Holy people. Thank you. In Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, remember, the NIV is a more modern translation. So let's look to the King James Version, and I actually have the new King King James Version up here that removes the these and thous, but it keeps it more old school. Now, listen to that word, holy people, in the King James Version here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, pretty much the same, to the what? The saints. Everybody say The saints. To the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. To the saints. Does that sound like today's message title? Now where do you think the saints are today? Where do you think the saints are? Point to where the saints are at. They're right here. They're not in heaven necessarily, though if we have died and we're in heaven, we're there. But that's not who Paul was talking to. He wasn't talking to Christians in heaven. Who he was talking to were the Christians in the church, and he called them saints. Now we have to sit back and understand there's been some differences that different churches have taught about when it comes to saints. So don't get mad at me. Get mad at Paul. But I got to tell you the truth. Look at your neighbor and say, here it comes. Okay, so understanding who the biblical saints are and what their nature is really like is one of the most difficult subjects I, as a pastor in this church, ever have to deal with. Why do I have a difficult time dealing with the subject of saints? Why? Because there's two false misunderstandings. The first misunderstanding of saints, which most people think of, are saints being dead, super Christians who are now worthy of our prayers and our adoration. Like we're supposed to pray to them and we're supposed to worship them in some way. How many have heard about that way of looking at saints? Come on, raise your hands. You have family that have taught you that, saint so-and-so, the patron saint of lost things. And if that was true, my wife would need that saint's help because my wife loses things all the time, and I love you so much. Uh, I would probably need the saint of loving your wife and not embarrassing her in church. I would need that saint's help. But, but where is that in the Bible? Show me one place in the Bible where we as Christians are told to pray to someone other than God where the saints are super Christians that we are supposed to ask for help or we're supposed to make uh, statues out of and put them in our car. How many have ever seen somebody put the saint of safety in their car or whatever, safe travels, you know? I don't want to embarrass you, but some of you know who that saint is and I could say, who knows, and you'd shout it out and everybody would look at you and, <laughs> and laugh, but I don't want to do that. But you know what saint I'm talking about because I forgot. But that saint that goes right there in the middle and we think to ourselves that, that's what saints are. But we ask our friends and family, and I have family that believes that way too, but I just ask them, show me in the Bible where that's at. They can't show me. They can't show me one place in heaven where saints are, are being prayed to. They can't show me that. But every place Paul writes to the church of people who are living, he calls those people saints. Let's go back, and just in case you're already getting mad at me, going, I don't know, I'm like, well, you mad? I'm upset with you. Grandma taught me about St. Anthony, and I believe in that. I don't care what this pastor says. Gosh darn it! I'm mad! Mad! Okay, get mad then, but get right after you get mad. Okay, get right after you get mad. Paul, an apostle, I think he knows what he's talking about. He's the guy writing the Bible to us, of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the who are in heaven, who are receiving our prayers, who are going to be gold medallions on our necklaces, and we will kiss. Is that, who is, that, is that what it says? To the saints who are in, where are they in? Ephesus, they're right there. They're in a city. Hey, you're a saint. You're a saint. I'm writing to you. Now, some of you may say, I ain't no saint. That's true, because there are people who are ain'ts. So you are either a saint or an ain't. And how do you know you ain't a saint? Is if you're not born again. If you ain't born again, you ain't no saint. So if you're saying to me, well, I ain't no saint, I'll just say amen. But I know there are saints in this place. I know there are people who are the saints, and I want to build a church of more saints than ain'ts. Okay, man, you understand my grammar here a little bit. It's all right if I get a little hood on you, get a little southern. I used to live in New Orleans, okay, y'all. So there are some saints and there's some ain'ts. How do you become a saint? Well, you become born again. And then that's where we get into the other confusion, is because, like I said at the beginning, there's two confusion, uh, two things that are confusing about saints. Now, the first one we just talked about, mostly in Roman Catholicism, that says saints are super duper Christians that are now dead that we pray to and ask for help. But on the other hand, There's many people like Christians like this who come to churches just like ours who struggle with them identifying personally as saints because they don't want to believe that they are holy or righteous or perfect in Christ. And they'll say, well, you know, I I ain't no saint, but I love Jesus, and, you know, I make mistakes all the time, and nobody's perfect. And so what they do is they let their struggles with sin redefine who God says they are. So it would be like my son doing something that he shouldn't do and then him now saying, well, I guess I'm not a rostic anymore. I guess I don't act like daddy. I'm not worthy of that name. And he, he may think that's humble, but that's actually being rebellious because you are a Y-rostic. You have my DNA on the inside of you. When you say you are not that, you're not acting humble. You're being dumb on purpose. And I pity the fool. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, the pastor pity the fool. So when I meet Christians, when they say, well, I'm not, you know, I love Jesus, but I got all these imperfections and all these things. God's still working on me. Don't follow me. Just follow Jesus because I'll let you down. I just want to look at him, and I want to go, stupid is and stupid does. The reason why you're so messed up and jacked up is because you don't know who you are. If you just knew who you were in Christ, you would act like who you're supposed to be. Now some of you fall into this category right now, and you make excuses, and you say, "No one's perfect. We're all sinners, and God loves me just the way that I am." And that's true in a sense. Before we meet Jesus, we're all messed up. We're all sinners, and God loves us just the way that we are. But that doesn't who. That's not who Paul writes to. Paul doesn't say, "I'm writing to all the messed up sinners that are all just tore up from the floor up, needing a check up from the neck up. They stank with a bad attitude." I'm writing to all these. Messy people, to all these hypocrites. Is that who he said he's writing to? He said, I am writing to the saints. So you're going to argue with Paul? So be honest. If you've been born again, you need to stop saying I'm just a sinner. You need to stop saying that I haven't been made perfect in Christ. You need to stop saying that God loves me in the way that I am. He loves you just the way that you are, but too much to let you stay that way. Yes, I love my daughter even though she poops on herself. My 6 months old daughter, I love her just the way she is with poopy diapers. But I love her too much to let her stay that way. Do you understand the difference? We call that humility, but that's pride. Don't stay with your stinky diapers. Let God change you and rearrange you. Now, the problem is is that a lot of you listen to good radio stations like K-Love and Moody and all of this, and they and Moody be teaching you stuff that's booty. They, moody be, I love moody when it gets right, but sometimes moody be doing booty stuff. It be doing all the wrong stuff, and it gets you thinking you just messed up all the time. You're just a poor little old sinner just barely making it. It's almost like an old country song. There's a tear in my beer, and I'm missing you, dear. It's like, dear God, what happened to you? Your dog dies. Your wife left you. Nobody likes you at that bar. Sometimes you listen to these Christian songs, and it's like, what are you on, Prozac? What's wrong? You so depressed? Dear God, read the Bible, my friends. So K-Love needs to love themselves some Bible. But here's an example of what you'll hear, and then you'll bring this nonsense into church thinking this is sound doctrine. This is K-Love's song, Broken Together, just broken together. Maybe you and I were never meant to be complete. Could we just be broken together? If you can bring your shattered dreams, I'll bring mine. Could healing still be spoken and save us? I don't know. The only way we'll last forever is if we're broken together. Dear God, no, 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 no. No, 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 Kayla, I ain't got no love for that nonsense. That's not what the Bible says. Somebody say, tell me what the B-I-B-L-E says. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that, yes, there's brokenness, but brokenness for sin, brokenness because of pain, but Jesus came to heal you. Listen to what Isaiah wrote. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. God's got good news for the poor today. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. He's got good news for those who are broken today. You don't got to be broke no more. Amen. You don't got to be broke no more. Why are you still busted and disgusted? Why are you still got shattered dreams? You had not met Jesus yet. Because Jesus will fix your shattered dreams. Jesus will fix your shattered life. But the problem is some of you want to use that as an excuse. So you can just be little old, you know, limping along sinner and feel sorry for yourself. And you're just so broken. And you want to meet another broken person. And we'll put our broken pieces together. We'll put our broken pieces together. What's wrong with you? Stop being broken. Come to Jesus, the healer of broken hearts. Amen. That's what Jesus will do for you. He came to proclaim freedom for the captives. No, I just want to stay locked up in porn. I just want to stay locked up in a bad attitude, Jesus. Don't you let me out of here. I want to stay right here. And he's like, I came to tell you to be free. Get out of your jail cell of sin. Get out of your jail cell of depression. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Release from darkness for the prisoners. Proclaim the year's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God. That means God is going to whoop the devil to comfort all those who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion. Now look at this, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Can we be beautiful together? Yes, we can. Baby, can we be beautiful together? We'll bring God our broken dreams and our broken life and be healed and come together whole. Amen. And receive a crown instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Monday doesn't have to be bad for you. Stop letting Monday pimp you. Stop uh, stop worshiping coffee. Coffee ain't your God. And there ain't nothing wrong with Monday. There's something wrong with you. Wake up tomorrow praising Jesus. You tell yourself what kind of day it's going to be. Glory to God, I didn't make this day, so I don't got the right to complain about this day. The Lord has made this day, and I will be glad and rejoice in it. Amen. Now it's okay you drink coffee, that's fine, but you don't need coffee. What you need is the joy of the Lord. You need a reason to get up in the morning and smile to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Somebody send that to uh, Casting Crowns and tell them, write a song about that. Put that in your song and smoke it, amen? Therefore, the truth is, somebody say, the truth is. Thank you. The truth is that the saints, the Bible talks about, are living disciples of christ we're here today we're living disciples of christ and we've been regenerated to be perfect holy and righteous it was always the father's plan to make jesus the firstborn again among many brothers and sisters so we could live like him in this world look at romans chapter 8 because a lot of you go well there's nobody like jesus do you know why jesus came down to die on the cross why we wear this cross so that he could give us all what he has, so that we could share in his nature. Look at it. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed, to be changed to the image of his son. You are to be changed as you are born again into the image of Jesus Christ. That's what this represents. The baptismal tank today represents the birth canal of a woman. The water breaks, the child comes out. You are to be represent- this represents that you are a new creation, not the same anymore. You were born once a sinner, now born again a saint. So that he could be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now, let me tell you why a lot of churches don't want to tell you this. The reason why they don't want to tell you this is because the pastor's jacked up too. And as long as he's messed up, you're messed up, you all get along really good. But you see, the moment the pastor gets serious about who his identity in Christ is, he's going to get serious about your identity. I don't want to keep you on the plantation of sin so I can share crop you and just make money off telling you every week you can make it out of your troubles. I want you to put your troubles under your feet, pim slap the devil, and live like a conqueror. I haven't come here to be your pep talk every single week. Are you listening to me? And the reason why they do that is so they can keep you on the plantation of sin. Have you come back and hear Bishop so-and-so sets you free, gets you excited, sing you a song because you get beat up by the devil six days a week. It's about time you know your identity in Christ so that you can be a terror to the devil, a threat to the enemy take back what the devil stole from you. You don't need me to pep talk you. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm made in the image of God. God lives on the inside of me. And I'm a light in this world, a salt to these people. And I'm not who I used to be. Amen. You look at yourself and tell yourself that every day God's word will not return void. You will live according to what you believe and what you confess. Amen. So I didn't come here to make myself your coach every week to pep talk you. I came to teach you and train you in the word of God so you could be the saint the Lord called you to be. Amen. It's easy to preach to sinners and keep them sinners all the time because then the pastor looks like he's a superhero. But you know what? I'm not here to do that. I'm here to teach you to have everything God told you to have. Paul called you a saint. He said walk accordingly. Walk worthy of your calling. Know who you are. That's what I say to my son. I don't say to my son, now be somebody else and then come back and be a white I say, no, you are a white rostic. Now act like a white rostic. Draw forth from what you've been given from your mom and dad and God in, in this DNA. Draw forth from the resources you already have and have a good attitude. Put a smile on your face. Listen to your mom and dad. I don't tell him that he's a filthy, dirty, rotten kid, don't belong to this house. I tell him who he is. I show him what God has given him, the talents and the abilities. And when he believes who God made him to be, he will be all that God called him to be. This is what John wrote. Some of you might find this scandalous. But I'll tell you what is the truth. This is what John wrote. This is how love is made complete among us, that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. I'm confident for the day of judgment. Are you? Are you? Some of you aren't confident because you ain't a saint. That's why you're not confident. You know you're going to bust hell wide open. You are scared, and you have a reason to be scared. But there are some of you Christians who deal with condemnation. You need to stop being scared. Perfect love will drive out that condemnation. The reason why you're scared as a Christian is because you think you have to do more to be more, do more to be more. You're not confident in who you already are in Christ. John says, we know that God loves us, and we have this confidence on Judgment Day in this world world, we are like Jesus. In this world, we are not like Donald Trump. We are not like Hillary Clinton. We are not like Oprah Winfrey. We are not like Lil Wayne. We are not like LeBron James. In this world, we are like Jesus. Do you believe that today? That's what this is supposed to mean. This is what that's supposed to mean is you're born again to live like Jesus, a brand new creation. Somebody say, make it plain. Look at your neighbor and say, that oh, was just the introduction. You know I'm not even lying. That's just the introduction. I got a lot of stuff to go through. Can I just show you where we got to go today? We got to cover all this today. We got so much we have to do. I got to go through these two charts again. I got to review a bunch of these things with you right here. I got to tell you all this stuff right here. And then we're going to end with something that's going to blow your mind. This little poem right here. I have got time to show that to you, but it's a little poem. But anyways, I got to start you up right here. Somebody said oh, that was just the introduction. The definition of the Greek word hagios is the word saint and it means holy pure consecrated dedicated to God most holy one or God's holy people that's what that word means the New Testament was written in the Greek language hagios everybody say hagios Thank you it means holy that's exactly what it means that's why when you look at the different translations here the new version just says holy people the older translation says saint but it's the same greek word hagios and it means holy consecrated paul used this word over 20 times just in the epistle we're studying right now. just in Ephesians, or excuse me, in the letters just that Paul wrote, he used it 20 times, and nine times just in the book of Ephesians. You can see it all throughout it. So you see it in verse one. Let's go to Ephesians chapter one, verse 15. You can see him say it again. He says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. And that scripture right there, uh, that word, God's people, look at it again in the older translation, we need to understand that that word hagios doesn't change. It's just the translator trying to help you understand it, but I wish they would put it in there. Amen. I wish the more modern version would keep it in there. It says, your love toward all the saints. All the saints. Let me just give you another example also in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. He just says it a few verses down from here. He says that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance among the, among the what? The saints. He says it over and over. Nine times in this letter alone, 20 times in his letters, it's an important concept. If you want to look at the other letters that he writes, look at Romans. Look at Corinthians. That's how he calls his people. As a matter of fact, look at it just as he started the book of Romans. He starts the book of Corinthians. He says here, to the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified. Somebody say sanctified. In Christ Jesus. Thank you. Called to be. Called to be. So who are you? Are you a saint or an ain't? See, just know in your heart, when you say I ain't, that already tells you who you are. If you are arguing with me in your mind right now, listen to me. I agree with you. You ain't a saint. If you're like, man, that's not me. Who does this preacher think he's calling a saint? I ain't. Amen. Then get born again. Because the only ones who go to heaven, I'm not happy you're not a saint, but I'm happy you're realizing it. Only those who go to heaven are the saints the church was made out of saints. There's not second-class citizens in the church. There's, there's not another kind of Christian. There's not another kind of disciple. It's either saints or ain'ts. That's it. So stop arguing with God. If you ain't a saint, repent and say, I need to be one. Say, I repent for not being one. I'm, stop making my excuses. Somebody say amen. Amen. And then when we see the saints in heaven, who are they? Are they special, super-duper Christians? No, they are us in heaven those of us who have died. If I were to die today and be in heaven, I would be a saint in heaven. But I'm on earth, so I'm a saint on earth. Same thing with all of you. If you're on earth today, you're a saint on earth. If you die, you go to heaven, you're a saint in heaven. One of the places that the Roman Catholic Church tries to confuse you is to have you look at Revelation chapter 8, verse 3. And I'll I'll, I'll let you read it, and I'll see if you catch it yourself. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. This is a picture of heaven. He was given Much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. So here is a throne, all the prayers of the saints are offered to God. That sounds pretty clear to me. Does it say anywhere in there that it's me praying to someone in heaven and then they bring the prayer there, or does it just simply say the prayers of the saints? are brought before God. Well, when you pray, where do you think your prayers go? Do you think they go to hell? Do you think they just hit the ceiling, bounce right back? When you pray, where do your prayers go? Angels present them before heaven as an incense, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. It doesn't say, I pray to a saint, and then he puts it before God. It says that the angel takes the prayers of the saints and puts it before God. So according to Paul, who are the saints? You and I. When we pray, what happens? Angel brings it before God. How do I know that? Just look at your Bible. Somebody say, look at your Bible. They try to lie to you. Don't believe a lie. Look at Psalm 141 too. Now, I love everybody. I love my Roman Catholic family. I love my Roman Catholic friends. I have nothing against them. But let's just get the truth to set us free. Amen? Look at what David said long before the book of Revelation was ever written. Look at the concept here. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. David said, when I pray, may my prayers come before you like incense. Many years later, John gets a revelation, a revealing of what's in heaven. Guess what's going on in heaven? Prayers are brought before God like incense. Anything unclear about that? Does it say anywhere in the Bible to pray to a saint? No, it doesn't. These scriptures, when they're properly applied, even go back to you as a saint and give you confidence That's when you pray, the Lord hears you. So in summary, everybody say, break it down. All of God's holy people who have been born again are saints, who are either on earth now doing the works of God or in heaven waiting for Jesus to return. They are not a special group of people who Christians are to pray for and make idols in their image. Saint is the predominant title for the disciples in the New Testament because God wants it to represent the restoration of the image of God in humanity. When I call you a saint, I am recognizing what was lost in the Garden of Eden to Satan has been restored because of the cross. When I call you a holy one, I am being reminded that you are made in the image of God, not an ape, not an animal. You are made in the image of God. When I recognize you as a saint in Chicago, I am required to treat you as I would Jesus When you consider yourself a saint, you then hold yourself to a higher standard. You then believe who God says you are. You then can come to him in faith and receive the resources that he has for the saints. Can I hear an amen? Then you can do the work of the saints. Somebody say, work it. Let me just show you again here in Ephesians chapter 4, another uh, part of of Paul's writing here, same book. And he talks about why we um, have the church and what the church does for us and how we are to use the church for the the building up of the body of Christ. And look at this right here. He gave some as apostles. That's what Paul is. Some as prophets. Some as evangelists. Some as pastors and teachers. That's who's going to do the work of the church for the equipping of the church saints for the work of service to the body of Christ be built up for the body of Christ to be built up until we all obtain to the unity of faith you see that's why you need us in your life as pastors and leaders not to give you pep talks but to build you up to build you up do you see that Do I build you up by patting you on the head, just keep calling you a sinner? Well, you're just a little sorry little sinner, and that's why you act like a sinner. You're nothing more, nothing less but a little sinner. Just drop your offering in our buckets. I'll keep giving you things to listen to, and I'll keep telling you how how I love you coming here, but you're just a little sinner, and I don't expect anything more from you. Is that what the Bible says? No, I'm to come to you as a saint and equip you builds you up and what am i equipping you with i'm equipping you with the word of god and so how many of you without raising hands without getting upset and storming out here to go see father tom in protest but how many of you are a little bit upset that you've been bamboozled about who a saint is i mean on the inside don't doesn't that just fire you up a little bit you mean the whole time i've been reading the bible and they've been saying saints that was about me You made me think that that was St. Bartholomew. Come on, how many just get a little fired up? You mean the whole entire time I was listening to K-Love and listening to another tear in my beer kind of worship song, you mean I didn't have to put up with that mess? You mean I could have had joy? I could have put on the garment of praise? I could have had my broken heart healed? I could have been set free from a prison? Instead of sitting in here clanking on the prison wall with a, you know, a cup, you know, going against that prison wall. You know what I'm talking about. The bars, you know, clank, clank, clank. I I could have been set free. How many get a little upset right now? You've been bamboozled. You've been hoodwinked. You've been had. Wake up. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I'm woke. Come on, get woke. You know who you are now. No one can tell you otherwise. Amen. This is a revolution of an identity in Christ. Now you may say, Pastor, I don't know if I believe all that. Well, let's go to the Bible and let's see if you can believe the Bible. Amen? Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14 says this. Let's read this first part four by one together. One, two, three. For by one offering he has perfected for all times those who are made holy. And what does the word holy there mean? It's hagiazio, where we get the word hagios from. So in practical terms, he's literally saying, for by one offering, Jesus has perfected for all time those who are made saints, those who are made holy. When you are a Christian, you are made holy. That's what it means to be born again. In John chapter 3, Jesus told a very religious man, unless you're born again of the Spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You cannot experience God. So when I was born, I was born a sinner. Yes, I was, just like everybody, just like you, just like Paul, just like the Pope. But when we come to the one offering, the one offering of the cross and we say Jesus I was a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness would you change me and make me your son or daughter what happens at that time I am made a saint and then for all time I remain a saint for how much time all time has perfected for All time. What does the word perfect mean? Some people get thrown off by the word perfect because they think that means they know everything about everything. That's not what the Bible says Christians are. We're not know-it-alls. We don't know everything. We have to learn and gain information. And then sometimes people think that the word perfect in the Bible means that we don't make mistakes. That's not what it means. What perfect means is whole and complete. If you make a perfect pie, the pie has the perfect amount of ingredients. When you look at a Christian, you're looking at someone that has everything they need to be a new creation. That's why they're a Christian, a Christ-like person. They are like Jesus. In their soul and spirit, there are no more missing puzzle pieces. There are no more broken issues. The issue has been solved. Does that mean they always live like it? No. Does that mean they always believe it? No. You can tell me I'm not acting perfect when I don't act the right way. You can tell me I don't act holy when I sin. You have permission. You have permission to do that for your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, I'll keep you accountable. But what you don't have permission to do is to tell me what I am or what I am not. That is what Jesus said I am and what I am not. And when I was born again, I was made a new creation. All things had passed away. Behold, everything became new. Everything became new. In Christ Jesus, I was perfected for all time. I don't have missing parts of my soul. I had a tore up soul when I met Jesus. I was broken and hurting, just like that song talked about. But when I met Jesus, he healed me. And that's where you grow in your Christianity. Being perfect in Christ doesn't mean you don't have maturity and growth. Just because my son is a perfect DNA specimen of my son, he is not anything less than my son. There's not one part missing from him being a y-rostic He has what is there for the DNA. If I was on the Mori Povich so he would say, this is your son. That's what he would say. This is your son. That's done. That's a perfect thing. Just like you can understand that concept, I am a perfect son of God. There is nothing missing between me and God there's no more sacrifices that have to be made no more prayers that have to be made i am a perfect son of god you are a perfect righteous daughter of god that's what the word holy means it does it sounds like the word whole why w w h o l e it sounds like that but that's not necessarily where the word comes from but they are similar and it's good to see it that way holy means separate set apart perfect and righteous and then whole means complete, not missing anything. So a good way to combine perfection and holiness together is to look at it this way. I am holy, holy. W-H-O-L-E-Y-H-O-L-Y. I am holy, completely holy, perfectly holy. Is anybody listening to me? Now some of you want to think of it like this, and I understand because I'm a pastor, and I'm used to people not listening to me, and I'm used to people thinking about whatever they think about when it comes to the Bible and making up stuff as they go along. And so here's how it's basically going to come down to. You're either going to believe in a form of progressive salvation, or you're going to believe in complete salvation. You're going to believe something along the lines of what you were taught. Well, I'm not really that bad of a person, but if I do more good than my bad, I'll get to heaven, and I'm a good person. You will fall into that lie, or you believe that I am a good person now, that I am a holy person now, that Christ Jesus has made me righteous now. Do you understand? There's a big difference. Some of you will see yourself being birthed as we say born again, like boom, I came out, I'm born again. Some of you will find yourself 20 years stuck in the birth canal of of being born again. Like I'm coming, here's my finger, I'm coming out, I'm coming out, I'm going to be a new person. 20 years later, I'm going to get my leg out, you know. See, we believe in complete salvation. We believe in instantaneous salvation. We believe the moment we confess Jesus, we're saved. Progressive salvation on this side focuses on self-effort. Well, I'll do better. I'll do better. I'll try harder. Makes little of the gospel. Probably don't even know what the gospel is. The gospel means Jesus died on the cross so you could live. It enjoys sin. Makes excuses for sin. Misuses God's grace to live holy. Well, don't Christians teach I can be forgiven? Well, I can sin as much as I want then and be forgiven, right? See, they misuse the grace of God. They justify their sin by comparison. Well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I'm not bad son, So I at least go to church. I read my Bible every now and then. They neglect God's word. They listen to Oprah Winfrey instead of the Bible on what it means to be holy. It's powerless against sin and temptation. They'll say, Well, I tried that. I tried it, but it didn't work. You know why? You know why you fail that Christianity is because you failed. If Christianity didn't fail, you did it wrong. Stop doing it wrong. Stop doing a broken version of Christianity. Do the right version of Christianity and it will work every time. Amen gives the devil too much credit. Oh, the devil's working on me. The devil's doing this to me. Oh, the devil's messing. Oh, hell, Diablo. Hell, Diablo. The Bible says for the Christian, the devil's under our feet. The Bible says he's a toothless foe that's been vanquished. All he can do is roar and make a lot of noise, but he's a defeated lion. Now the lion of the tribe of Judah has conquered him. Lacks true faith but is religious. See, when I talk like this, it's hard for you to believe. But I talk to you about some weeping statue somewhere, off, somewhere else, you'll be like, oh, I believe that. Oh, I believe that this water stain under a bridge is so real. You will be superstitious but not true in faith. You'll get your tarot cards read. You'll go read the horoscope. You'll go listen to somebody talk about a dream where their Aunt Mima visited them and gave them a message. But you won't believe the actual word of God. The words where Jesus said, be ye perfect for your heavenly father is perfect. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are You you neglect those things for man-made traditions. You'll find others to agree with you. Well, I'm not coming back to that, church. I'm going to go back over here to Father Tom and Pastor So-and-so who tells me I'm just as much of a sinner as he is. They complain they're weak all the time. Why you can't? I can't. I tried and I can't. I tried and I can't. Once again, you're doing it wrong. I don't try to be a Christian. I am a Christian because of Christ in me. My son doesn't have to try to be my son. He's my son because I put some DNA up in my wife and my wife pushed him out. I've been born of the spirit birth of God. God did all the pushing. Amen. I'm here now. Praise God. Complains they are weak, cynicals of others. And here's the last but not least, cynical of others who live holy. Because you know people are already thinking in their mind, well, I know that pastor ain't perfect. I, I know he got mistakes. He's trying to tell me he's a holy person. I know he's not holy. Go ask his wife, when was the last time he yelled at the kids? Go, I, I just told you that my perfect behavior, it does not determine my perfect nature. The perfect nature was given when I was born again. The behavior comes out of my belief and realization in who I am. My son may not behave perfectly like a wyrostic, but he is a perfect wyrostic. Do you know the difference? A difference between behavior and identity. I be a child of God, and I will then live like a child of God. I don't try to do, do, do to become a child of God. All of the other things are the opposite. We focus on Jesus' work when you believe in complete salvation. You make the gospel big. It's not me. It's Christ. You enjoy righteousness. You're not upset you can't sin. You love living for Jesus. You live holy by God's grace. You repent of sin quickly in your conscience. You know the truth. You abide in God's words. You defeat sin and temptation with the word of God. He said we should pray, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Is Jesus a liar or did he teach you how to pray? He said, that's how you pray, with sin. Some of you, instead of saying, Lord, lead me out of temptation, you're like running into it, Like, and then you go up to like a high dive. You bounce up on that sin. I'm going to do a triple backflip right into all this sin. You're not running away from sin. Come on, somebody. Abides in God's word, defeats sin and temptation, considers the devil already defeated. We know he's defeated. Lives by faith, rejects false religion. That's why I don't have to come in here with smells and bells wearing a robe. I know who I am in Christ. Amen? I'll dress just like Jesus did. I'll dress just like Peter. They were ordinary men. You ever seen a fisherman dress up in a three-piece suit? Come on, somebody. That's who Jesus picked was fisherman. Loves correction and accountability. Show me when I am not acting as who I'm supposed to be. Proclaims they are strong in Christ, not in themselves, but in Christ. This is not a self-help religion. This is a God-empowered relationship. They desire and pray to live holy. God, I want to be who you called me to be. Do you see the difference? Now, when you put it together, this is is kind of like how it looks like when you run into people because this is how they're going to see it. They're going to see themselves in some process. If they don't believe that God made them who he said they are, they're going to believe in some kind of a process like this right here. I got the wrong link coming up, but you guys can see it. They're going to say, okay, you know, like Hitler, he was 0% saved. Like he was definitely going to hell with the devil. Okay, we know that. But you know what? My next door neighbor, they're about 10% saved. They're still 90% crazy, but my neighbor, they're about 10%. They're not as bad as a Hitler, right? How many got some neighbors that you would say, they're about 10% saved, you know? And then you would say, like, my coworker, my boss, they're about 20% saved. They're getting there. They need to go to church more. And then this is how you will look at religion and Christianity. I'm just the little engine that could And you're just going to think all through life, God is still working on me. Second flesh, chapter 2, verse 11. God is still working on me. And one day, I'll be who he wants me to be because nobody's perfect. And that's how you'll see yourself. And so honestly, honestly, if I didn't even preach what I preach today, and I just started off with this, some of you all be like, this is Christianity. Yeah, God's still working on me, Pastor. And if I would just put a Bible verse, because some of you all don't even know the Bible, if I just put like 2 Peter 2.11, you'd be like, "Amen." Hey, man, that's the Bible. He's still working on me. Ain't nobody perfect. Amen, Pastor. What's wrong with that? And then if I literally had a survey go around, like, y'all tell me how saved you are. Y'all would be circling, like, what you are. You'd ask your neighbor, how saved are you? about 70% saved. I'm getting there. Seriously, And then your wife would say, no, no, you about 60. You just barely made it over half. I guarantee you, if I go to any church today and preach this message, you're like, amen. And then if I started whooping and hollering, you can do it. By God's grace, you can go from 70 to 80% saved. You can do it. I know you can do it. Y'all be clapping. Oh, I can do it. I know I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, we'd all get excited. Just be like, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. Is that how the Bible talks? Is that what Jesus said? Well, I'm going to start off with you, Peter, and I'm going to work you and work you and work you until you finally get there. And when you're about 90% saved, I'm going to take you to heaven and then complete you up there. Is that what it says? No, he said, you are saved here. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. That's the real Bible. That's Paul the apostle talking. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, the new creation has come. Downloaded. Boom, bing, it's there. Not waiting on a slow DSL speed. Not waiting for that, that, that phone to download it. No, new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Where is the new? Come on, right here. Point to yourself and say, the new me is here. I'm not waiting for it. I'm not in a self-help religion. I don't got to join some yoga class where yoga pants, be a vegetarian, and do the crooked chicken to earn another 5% towards heaven. I've already been born again. The new is here. Now live like the new you. Live like you've been born again. Live like you've been changed. Live like who God says he is is real on the inside of you. Can I get an amen? Now that's technically the second introduction. So that's technically the second introduction. I got the message right after this thing right here. But I'm going to go through it really quick. Bear with me here because it's baptism day. Baptism day. Be, be fast, Pastor. It's baptism day. We, we got people here that don't like what you're saying. Be fast, Pastor. Baptism day. <laughs> this is exactly the kind of day I wish this message would fall. I'm like, I never planned this. But if I ever could plan it for all my visitors, it would be this message. I would like to now take a few moments to clarify what the Bible teaches about being and acting perfect. Being perfect in Christ is who we be in our nature. Acting perfect in Christ is what we're commanded to do. Though we may not always act perfect, we be perfect. Saying nobody is perfect has become an excuse for many Christians to continue in sin. Rather, every Christian should boldly say, I am perfected in Christ, even if I don't always act like it. The difference is understanding our nature and what is expected of us. Saying nobody is perfect gives the impression that God has not saved nor changed you. Confessing you are perfect in Christ places a demand upon your faith to live like who God made you to be like. It places a demand. You've got to live up to it. When you believe you were made sinless, you will sin less. When you believe that the default state of your water bottle is perfectly pure and clean, you will get upset with every little germ, every little thing of dirt that gets in there. But if you keep thinking of yourself as a dirty old water bottle, you won't get upset with sin. Understand God made you holy, righteous, and perfect in him. Hate sin, love that, and you will be a refreshment to those around you and to Jesus. You will be a drink offering, as the Bible says. Understand being perfect. Everybody say, I be perfect, and I'm learning to act perfect. Well, who then I was perfect? Jesus. Jesus. Look at Matthew five forty-eight. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Did it say be messed up as Father Thomas messed up? Be messed up as Pastor so-and-so's messed up? No, be perfect. There it is. Boom, shakalaka. As your heavenly Father is perfect. Whatever standard he is, be that. Why well, can't be that? Well that's why you got to be born again. You can't do that without a spiritual new life being given to you. You won't make yourself a new bo- person no more than you made yourself the sinner you are today. You were born by your mom and dad from the heritage of Adam and Eve. You didn't create them, you didn't make them, and you didn't choose for them to do a sin. But you were born that way because of God's sovereignty. God allowed you to be born into a fallen world. Now the choice is yours. Do you want to be born again into the kingdom of God, perfect like your heavenly Father's perfect? The second thing is the Bible says you're supposed to be godly, like God. That's what the word godly means. You ever heard the word godly? You are to be godly. 2 Peter 1.4 says, Though, uh, through these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped, past tense, the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. You want to escape your evil desires? How many of you have evil desires? Let's be honest. I have them. You have them. How many want to escape them? Come to the divine nature of Christ, and you will. That's what the Bible says. Run to God every time you have temptation. Stand upon who you are. Believe what the Bible says about you, and you will do what God says you can do. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 says, be holy for, because I am holy. Two places, he says, be something like he is. Be perfect like I am perfect. Be holy like I am holy. Ask yourself this question. Put on the brakes right now in this service. Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe you can be what he said you can be? If not, you, you don't really take this serious then. Jesus did what he did so I could be a holy, perfect, righteous person. That's why he did what he did. Now, what does it mean to do perfect? Everybody say, do perfect. That just means we always obey the commands of God. How many of you are good right now at being perfect at not being a murderer? Okay, any murderers in here? I'm I'm waiting to see who's not raising their hand. Let's try this again. How many of you right now are doing good without murdering somebody? You're like, I'm perfect at not being a murderer. Okay, the rest of you not raising your hands. I got my eyes on you. I got my eyes on you. You back there, I got my. So you're already perfect in something. You're already completely the opposite of something. You're not murdering anybody right now, right? Well, all sins are, are thought of the same way. Be a perfect, not liar. Tell the truth. You have the same choice, just like the choice you have right now, not to murder, don't lie, don't steal. Well, what if I do? What if I? Well, repent, turn around, ask God for forgiveness, and go in the opposite direction. That's what's expected of Christians. We do it because of who God made us to be. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24 says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. When you feel temptation from your body to get angry, to get set, upset, sexually perverse, proud, jealous, disobedient, rebellious, count your flesh, this part of your body, crucified with Christ, And your perfect spirit, free to live as God called you to live. Paul said it in another way. Make your body the slave of your spirit. You tell this body what to look at on the internet, what words to speak with the tongue, what thoughts to think inside this brain. You, my friend, are in control of yourself today. Amen? The Bible then says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, keep in step with the spirit. Keep in step with the spirit. When will I sin? When I take a step outside the spirit. When I do what God told me not to do, what should be my default step today? Where the Spirit leads. What should be your default position, the natural position you should want to step today with your marriage, with the holiness of God, loving each other as Christ loves the church, with all your heart? Where should you be with your children? Doing the same thing. How should your children be with you? Staying in step with what you're saying. Sin is not something that happens by accident. It is a volition, a choice of the will. Choose to step into righteousness as the Lord leads you every single day. You step outside, repent, and know who you are in Christ. You were made for more than sin, amen? And you are not sin even if you do sin. The Bible says, my dear children, I write these things to you that you will not sin. What does John write to us? I write these to you so you will not sin. I don't want you to sin, okay? If you want to sin, you have a problem, but if anybody does sin, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One, who is our atoning sacrifice for our sins and not for only ours, but for the sins of the world. Do you get that? So even though I may sin, that doesn't take me out of relationship with Jesus. I can be forgiven of my sin, and I can remain in a great relationship with him. And it's good to note this. If you ever don't want to be in that relationship, you can leave at any time because he is not a divine kidnapper. Jesus is not the kind of person that says, come over to my house, and he locks the door, deadbolts it, and says, you'll be here for a while. You can leave at any point and get out of Christ. Out, See, in him is the name of the sermon series, but you can go out of him if you want to. I choose to stay in him. And in him, my sin will not define who I am. If I sin, I will be humble enough to hear the Lord speak and I will repent. And if I don't hear it, the Lord will tell me what I've done wrong. I mean, my wife will tell me what I've done wrong and I'll repent. Because how many know sometimes you don't hear the Lord speaking to your heart? And that's why you need husbands and wives and parents with their children, need to tell them what's right and wrong. And we do that here in church as well. How many are ready for the message now? I'll just skip through the message and let you read this on your own. I actually don't have time to preach. I wish I did. I wanted to preach out of Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. But you know what? I just want to tell you this today, that I'm glad that we're doing this message and that uh, there's going to be a baptism today for those who understand who they are in Christ. And if you don't know who you are in Christ, you can do the right thing right now by being born again and know for sure who you are. And if you've been a Christian and you haven't followed who you are, stop. Stop stinking thinking right now. Get the junk out of the trunk and believe who God said you are. Everybody say, I believe who he said I am. I can do what he said I can do. Come on, say it again. I believe I am who he said I am. I can do what he said I can do. Now let's put some scripture on that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Come on, in this world I am like Jesus. I am perfect like my heavenly father is perfect. I am holy like he is holy. I am more than a conqueror. Nothing can separate me from his love. I'm dancing with the divine. (laughs) Come on. That's what it means to participate in the divine nature. I'm literally, God is the leader and I'm dancing with him. I'm following his steps. Now, if you all want to put something cool on Facebook, this is where you want to bring out your phone right now. I'm going to ask my wife to bring out hers because i got a spoken word I want to drop on you guys right now. you ready for this? So some of you all get out your phones at different points, but this is the time to do it. If you don't want to do it, no pressure. Just enjoy it. I want to end with this so that everybody can hear it in a way that it might stick with you. It might stick with you a little bit better because I know that this goes against a lot of what we were taught. But the truth will set you free. Amen? I was born a sinner with nothing good on the inside of me. Since meeting Jesus Christ, I've been born again a saint with a righteous identity. Though the world may not see my entire sanctification, my obedience to Christ will show I'm a perfect new creation. Yes, it's true that I don't always reflect Christ in all my behavior, but that doesn't change the fact I share in his holy divine nature. The life that I now live is not based on weak excuses, like nobody is perfect because that whack thinking is useless. I believe that by God's grace, I was made sinless. So by that mindset, I daily sinless. That's why I stay blessed. I live based on God's word and all of his promises to me, in which Jesus promised, who the sun sets free is free indeed. So awake, O sleeper, and Christ will shine on you. He will raise you from the dead and make your spiritual soul brand new. Let's give it up for Jesus. That's what's up in the house of God today. Would you stand up to your feet with me? Let's give it up for Jesus one more time. Come on. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? We'll do our baptisms right after this. Thank you, guests, for staying. We do honor you. And appreciate you. Let us just bow our head and close our eyes in an attitude of prayer. Father, we have heard your word spoken. I pray that what is ever true, whatever is right, would settle in our hearts right now. That we would make the right decisions, oh God, to follow you. And to believe we are who you said we are. With every head bowed and eyes closed in an attitude of prayer, be honest with yourself. Are you a saint or an ain't? If you have not been born again, if you haven't had an encounter with Jesus that has literally changed your whole world around, then today just repent of your sins where you're standing. Just repent right where you're at. What it means to repent is to confess you are wrong, to say, God, I am wrong. Forgive me. Name the sins you have committed. Tell God those things that you know you shouldn't have done. Now, those of you who are here and you would say, Pastor, I know that I am a born-again Christian, but I haven't heard it preached this way. And you know what? To be honest, as a Christian, I don't really live right. Then right now, as the, the, the person is praying to be born again, you pray right now to know what it means to be born again. Say, Lord, forgive me for not believing that I was a new person. Forgive me for breaking your commands, even though I should have known better. Right now, anyone that has sin, repent. God freely gives forgiveness. You don't need me. You don't need a priest. You don't need a dark closet. You don't need communion. You and God right now. Right now, as we dim the lights in an attitude of prayer and worship, a few moments, all of us can repent of sin if you have it in your heart. Be honest with yourself. No need to play make-believe now. Don't put on a mask. I haven't put on one for you today. Be yourself. Forgive us, Father, for we have sinned. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the power, the kingdom, and the glory forever. Right now, pray it in your own words. Make it personal right now. Forgive me of my sins. Lead me not into temptation because it's all about you. That's what we're doing right now for another 30 seconds. Those of you who would say, I'm good, I've repented, I'm clean. Just start to tell God, thank you for his grace. Gracias, Señor, for the the cross of Jesus. The cross of Jesus that perfects and makes righteous and holy for all time. Every person right now, look at your heart. Be honest with who you are. Righteousness is a gift. Being born again is a gift. I never earned it. I've been a Christian now over 20 years. I received Christ when I was 18 years old with drugs in my pocket. I was a high school dropout, arrested eight times. God did it. God did it. Every person getting baptized today, God did it. God did it. Not a church, not a man, God did it. Hallelujah. Few more moments. Few more moments. Few more moments. God, would you search all of our hearts? We don't want to be hypocrites. There's been too many in the church. Let us know who we are and what we're to do. What we've done wrong, we repent of now. We make it right now in the name of Jesus. Now let us all just raise up our hands and say, God, I believe believe who you said I am, and I want to do the works you said I can do. Ask the Lord to bless you and your family right now, to be the mother, the father, the husband, the wife you were called to be. Ask God to give you his commands to follow on your job, in your community. If we just believe today, right? If we just believed, we are who he said we are, we can do what he said we can do. I'm not an alcoholic anymore. I'm sober, and I've been sober, amen? Come on. Do you believe that? I'm not a drug dealer anymore. I'm not a fornicator anymore. Come on. I am who God said I am. Pray it out right now. Talk to Jesus. He's waiting to hear it from you. Don't say it just because I said it. Do it from your own words. Jesus. Brothers, put up the words to this song, please. Your kingdom come, the first verse. We're going to end with singing. We'll get ready for baptisms. We'll dismiss and then get to do the baptisms. But before we do, let's worship. Because today is why we get baptized. This is why we do it. We are your sons and daughters. Would you worship with us before we dismiss? We are your... Do you believe it?
1: Think about what you're singing. Coming before our King. King. King.
0: Receiving Receiving your impartation. All that you have for us. And what we give back to you is the nations. We give Chicago back to you. Come on, one more time. Think about it. We are your sons and daughters.
1: We are your
0: sons
1: and daughters coming before our king.
0: If he's a king and you're a son or daughter, you know what you are. You're a saint today. your, your impartation. The nations. The Not only this city, but the whole world. Come on, Jesus, won't you come? Sing it out today, saints.
1: Jesus, won't you come?
0: Invade this atmosphere and let us all know. One more time, Jesus, won't you come? Jesus, won't you come? Jesus, won't you come? 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 Woo, change our hearts, oh God. As it is in heaven. Just a few more times. Your kingdom. Your
1: kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth
0: as it is in heaven. Amen. Would you look up at me, please? We're going to dismiss now formally. If you need prayer for anything, please see our prayer workers up here. They love to pray for you. No judgment. No Uh, you know, announcing your business to others, just personal prayer, just a way to know that someone's got your back. We're going to then ask those who are getting uh, uh, baptized to get changed. There's a bathroom here and a bathroom in the back in our nursery. And then we're going to all line up here and do the baptisms right here. And that way, if you have to go, you can go. But if you want to stay with your family, we're going to do a baptism service and those who are getting baptized will share a little bit of their testimony. And I hope that encourages all of us to believe that what God did in them, he'll do in us. Amen? And if he hasn't done it already in your heart, he can. You can get saved watching these guys get baptized. And those of you, it's going to be live. So maybe your friends who aren't saved will see it and get baptized. You'll be surprised what people will confess in that baptismal tank. We never tell them to do it, but it will come out sometime. God will save anybody and everybody. He will save the Aztec warrior right here. He'll save the brother with the cool piercings. When this guy got married, he's like, who, me? Yeah. When this brother got married, he got married with a mohawk. That's how he got married. God will save a church girl like my wife. She was a little goody two-shoe girl, but on the inside, she was a sinner, not going to heaven. God will save a brother just like this, a brother just like I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. God will save you. Amen. So if you need to get saved, come up and see these brothers and sisters. Otherwise, we'll dismiss and get ready for the baptism. Father, bless our baptism service and all that we do in Jesus' name. Bless those that have to go as well. And everybody said, amen. Let's give it up for Jesus. God bless you. We'll see you in the tank. Otherwise, have a great week. Super Bowl church. Super Bowl church. Super Bowl. Okay. Right? Promotion, church, promotion. Ah, oh, promotion. I'll work Sundays. You got me. Yeah, you got me. Okay. But here this man suffers for Jesus. But over and over and over again, he's faithful to Jesus. I've been in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from fellow Jews, danger from Gentiles. It doesn't seem like a lot of people like him. In danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored, toiled, have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone to bed without food. And some college students say amen to that, right? I have been cold and naked. Hope you don't do that. Besides anything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin and I don't burn inwardly. This is a mere man. This is not the God-man, Jesus. This is a mere man like us. He says, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever. He never lost his praise. He was beaten and put into a jail cell but didn't lose his praise. He praised in that Philippian jail, the Bible says. He praised God on good days, on bad days, when he was naked or clothed and food, without food. He praised God all the time. Can you do that? Or is it just, you know, one bad thing happened in your life and you just get all pouty and just have a little pity, patty party? Come on, God. You don't understand. Not everybody in my house loves Jesus. And it's hard. It's hard. I don't want to do it anymore, Jesus. I don't want to do it. Why not? Oh, God, on my job, they make fun of me, God. They make Isn't that how you feel? We get like that, don't we? God, it's so hard, so hard. I can't afford my cable. I can't afford my cell phone. I can't afford all of these things, God. I'm suffering. I'm I'm dying. I'm dying. Right? That's what we think. We can't, oh man, we lose cable. We're dying. We lose our cell phone. We're dying. We're suffering. Right? We, we, we put all these things before God, then we suffer a little bit when we serve God. And I'm not saying it's all about suffering. He saw some of the greatest miracles, the greatest things of his life. But yes, there was a part of it that was painful and suffering. And it was, it was achieving for him a greater weight of glory to come in the kingdom, storing treasures in heaven. And he counted it worth it. He said, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to praise God. Amen? How many want to praise God no matter what you face? Here's, here's second and last thing. Paul depended upon the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, many of you, you stink at Christianity because you don't do Christianity right. And you blame Christianity for your stinking thinking and your stinking life. And you got to stop doing that. I got to be a little bit more rebuking here right now and not so funny. Some of you, you blame God for the stuff you and the devil did together. And maybe some of those things wasn't your choice, it was done to you. But how you react to those things is your choice. And so if you look at somebody like Paul and go, it was easy for him, but he didn't know what it felt like to be brought up without a dad and and to have your mom on drugs, he don't know. He just don't know. He makes it look easy. That pastor, they don't know. You don't know Christianity. Paul was not an apostle by his own strength. Paul didn't do what he did through all of his sufferings because he just tried a little bit harder. It was not self-help. As a matter of fact, he had to deny himself. So if Christianity stinks for you and doesn't work, it's because you are stinky and you're not doing it right. Paul said not that we are competent in our own selves to claim anything for ourselves, Nothing good that Paul did came from himself. Do you understand? Nothing good that I have done has come from myself. He said, but our competence comes from God. He's the one that wrote that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. He's the one that wrote in Romans you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. He's the one who wrote in this letter that you are seated in heavenly places with Christ while he himself is in prison. He was teaching you this principle that God made him competent as ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter but of the spirit for the letter kills but the spirit gives life. You need life, you need encouragement, you need God to carry your burdens, take away your excuses, let the Spirit of God come in. The Spirit of God will flip you right side up. The Spirit of God will turn your frown upside down. He will take away your mess and have you be blessed. Hallelujah. God will do for you what you can never do for yourself. Stop trying to fix yourself. You don't need upgrades. You don't need renovations. You need to be made a brand new creation by the grace of God. It's not a little bit of you and a little bit of God. That's why it doesn't work for you. You need 100% of God and none of you. Hallelujah. Can I hear an amen? God is good. How many of you see Christianity working in your life? It works, doesn't it? And lastly, Paul was faithful to finish his race. Rachel, would you come, please? He was faithful. He made a decision. I won't quit. It doesn't matter how hard it gets. It doesn't matter who leaves me. I won't quit. God will give me the strength to finish my race. He said, I feel like I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Look at those three things. He said, I fought the good fight. That means he didn't didn't give up. When he got knocked down, he decided, I will get up. And God gave him the strength every time. But what God can't do is make you do what you don't want to do. Do you understand that? There's things that God can't do. He's restricted himself. God can't lie. God will not act like the devil. And then what God cannot do is violate your free will. He gave you free will as a gift. Amen. But if you say back to him, not my will, God, but your will. Lord, I've been knocked down. Would you pick me up? He'll lift you up. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Who empowered him to take steps when he couldn't take steps anymore? Bible says in Isaiah, even the youth will go tired and faint. Even the strong will grow weak. But those who wait upon the Lord will have their strength renewed. They will run and not grow weary. Walk and not faint. They shall soar upon the wind like an eagle. Do you see an eagle struggling to stay up there like a chicken or a turkey? Do you see eagles doing that? How did I get up here? How did I get up here? Throw a turkey off a building and see what it does. Get an eagle on a building. You watch professional swimmers, because I used to love to swim. You watch them, just their strokes, take them right through the water. You'll be like, help me, Jesus, help me. They're just like, that's how God makes the righteous. He says, I have finished the race. Who put every pep in his step? The Lord did. He said, I kept the faith. Who gave him the strength to hold on when he felt like letting go? He said, at one point, he said, I do feel like dying, man. He says, it's so hard. I just feel like dying. He said, but I'm staying for you because I know I'm helping you, churches. Who gave him that strength? The Holy Spirit, he says, for there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. Everyone look up at me, please. Why does Paul get the crown of righteousness? Because he did a bunch of good things or because he trusted in the good one, the God-man, Jesus, the sacrifice, right? But now watch this, not only for me. Paul doesn't sit up on a pedestal. Do you know that Paul's name is going to be written on the 12 stones of the Jerusalem that will come in and out of New Jerusalem? He will be there with the 12 apostles' names. Do you know that Paul will rule and reign with Christ upon the thrones of the disciples? Twelve of them will rule the government. They will be our supreme court. Paul wrote more in the New Testament than anybody else, had experiences. He said that he couldn't even write in the Bible. He told some great things in the Bible. We've read Revelation in the Bible, but he said the places I've been to the third heavens, we believe it was when he was left for dead, though, by the way. He said, I can't even tell you what's up there. I can't even tell you. All he said was, no one has seen, no eye has heard, no eye, eye has seen, no ear has heard what the Lord has prepared. He can do greater things than you can ask, think, or imagine. That's in Ephesians, right? This Paul, this Paul said to you, but not only me, not only me, I don't only get this crown, but also to all those who have longed for his appearing. Are you longing to have Jesus come back? There's a crown waiting for you. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready for the message. I want to, no, I'm just half teasing here. I want to give you Paul's threefold motivation because I wouldn't be right unless I ended like this. I, I had to power pack so much in here. Any wasted words? I don't think I told too many stories about my pet, Spar- my dog Sparky, did I? Did I tell you any baby stories today? How about some of the jokes that I learned from uh, from Carson Daly or whoever? did I No, no, it's Carson Daly. Uh, what's the other guy? Who's the new popular one that always does the singing and all of that? The, the Nate, Jimmy Fallon. I'm wasting words while I'm talking about not wasting words, right? did as much as I could get done today. Here's the deal. I want to give you his motivation. Those are his inspirations. Let's give you the motivation. Everybody say inspiration, motivation. Paul summarized his life a few different times throughout his writings. Here's the one that sticks out to me. He says, I do it all for this, to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, sharing his sufferings. Look at Philippians 3, 4. Although myself might have even more confidence in the flesh, if anyone has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I have far more Because he's going to talk about, y'all got people bragging about how close they are to God and what they think they know. Let me tell you, I got more reasons to brag. I'm circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel. That's God's chosen people. The tribe of Benjamin, one of God's favorite tribes. A Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. Those are the top-notch guys. They're the teachers. As to the zeal, a persecutor of the church. I was in charge of stuff. As to righteousness by the law, found blameless. You couldn't pick stuff out of my life. I was doing all the fast, all of the holy days, etc. But look at what he says here. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I've now counted loss. That's for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul chose to be single so he could give more time to Jesus in the ministry. How many would receive that calling? (laughs) Some of us are already married. We don't have the choice, but that would be a tough calling. Be like, no, Lord, I'm going to give that one back. I'm going to pass on that one. I'll take all the other gifts you got for me. But Paul said to literally, he said to the Lord, give it all to me. And God said, well, then go for broke. And this is kind of where they get the tradition of priests being celibate it was from Paul. It wasn't from Peter, which is funny because they say Peter was the first pope, but Peter was married with kids. Let's try to figure that out. More than that, I count all things to be a loss in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ my Lord from whom I've suffered the loss of all things. Count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Can you just think about his life now and just picture what he's saying? All of my family, all of my schooling, all of the reputation, all the power, all the money, I cast aside. And now all my privilege as an apostle, all the respect I get, all the honor, all that I do still doesn't compare to knowing Christ. He says, I count it rubbish that I may gain Christ and may be found in him. Somebody say, in him that I may be found in him, come on, say it again, in him, thank you, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, because without God's righteousness, he's the worst of all sinners, right? So are we all. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, here he goes, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. He knew one day he would be raised up as Jesus was and he would rule and reign with Christ, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Look at this. We all need to end out with this. Not that I've already obtained it or have already been become perfect. Like he says, I'm not finished in my flesh. My flesh still needs to be perfect at the resurrection. But I press on so that I may lay hold of that which has laid hold of me. Everybody say, I want to lay hold of that which laid hold of me. I want to lay hold of that which laid hold of me. Amen. By Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. That's the resurrection. But one thing I do, I forget what lies behind. And I reach forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if, anything you have, and if anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that to you also. So he's like, you don't know about this. God will teach it if you hang around long enough. However, let us keep living by the standard to which we have obtained. How many want to live by that standard? How many want to walk worthy of that calling? Can we stand up and give it up for Jesus? Come on, amen. Amen. It's all about Jesus today. Here's final words from Paul found in the book of Ephesians. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace. It was always by grace given me through the working of his power. So how was he an apostle? By God's grace, through the working of the power of God. How will you be a great mom and nurse? By God's grace, and the working of God's power. Young man, how will you stay out of trouble, get good grades, and be the man that God called you to be? By God's grace, through his power. How will you accomplish all that you have in your life today? By God's grace and through his power. And although I might be less and the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. Let's close out in prayer and see what God has given us to do. Would you just close your eyes in an attitude of prayer and say, Lord, help me to follow you as Paul did. Lord, I want to follow you just like Paul the apostle did. Come on, let's talk to the Lord right now. Jesus, Jesus, may I follow you in my family. May I follow you on my job. May I put you first in all that I do. Make it personal right now. Ask the Lord to send you esteemed leaders to share your life with, to run th- some things by. Altar workers, would you come, please? Don't leave out of here by yourself, uh, doing this by yourself. As I call up altar workers, they're here for you to be elders and deacons in the tradition of the